1: Hello everyone oh, and alright. welcome As to Let's Master Talk of Torah. Of I am
0: Rabbi Cheat Jacobson with New Radio and Media. And we'll spend the next hour talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. If you'd like to contact the show, you can call us at 844. 999 9249 That's 844-999-9249, Or you can email us at Let's Talk Torah At gmail.com. Let's talk. Torah, no apostrophes at gmail.com. Today, we have an amazing guest. You will be just amazed at his story, what he wants to accomplish, what he wants to do to the world. Um, I keep handing out these cards. These are his cards. Probably you could read it. it. Says, Keep Smiling. He's handed out a million of these cards, not on his own, just a fascinating amazing story. He's gone through some of his own difficulties. Nothing knocks the man down. He wants to help raise a billion dollars for charities, and he wants that it should not cost anyone a dime. And he's well on his way. So, all this stuff will talk. He'll come in on Skype. That's the plan. His name is Barry Shore, and we will have an amazing time with Barry. But uh, first part of our show, we got to talk about this week's Torah portion. We got to talk about the building of the tabernacle. It's already uh, uh, our fourth Torah portion that's involved in the building of the tabernacle. Next week is one more. Um, We're going to talk about people who want to be involved and donate to be part of a project. And sometimes they wait too long. And if you wait too long, you lose. We don't need you anymore. Thank you for your help. We appreciate you wanting to be involved, but it's too late. So we're going to talk about what happens when someone is too late. We'll also talk about an amazing punishment. I try to teach it to my children in class, but uh, children don't relate. Adults perhaps could relate. We'll talk about that as we move along. Um, And maybe, if I have time, no guarantee on this one, uh, Purim, that uh, holiday where children and adults get dressed up in costumes and, and bring food baskets and gifts and help the poor, um, that holiday is right around the corner, so perhaps we'll have time to talk. If not, there's always next week. And of course, um, Rabbi Yonison Goldson of Ethical Imperatives will join us, and he'll have a good message, as always. Okay, so first things first, just to, to move along, as I just mentioned— We've talked about the building of the tabernacle three weeks ago, um, the priestly clothing two weeks ago, again last week, the Torah portion talks about building the tabernacle, and this week, it's happening again. You know, that's a lot of Torah portions to keep telling me about the building. Yes, the first time, Moses gets the instructions. The second time, Moses uh, gets the people involved. Who's going to be building Now, in this week's Torah portion, Moses has to do the actual collection, which we're going to talk about momentarily. And next week's portion, they're going to actually set it up and build it, all beautiful. But uh, that's a lot of words, a lot of Torah portions to keep repeating the same stuff over and over again. So the answer is really quite simple, and it really fits in very nicely with our guest, Barry later, and that is love. Something that God loves, that he appreciates amazingly, gets repeated over and over and over again. The Torah, many times, um, is is stingy with words. There are certain laws that you get a couple words, and you need the Talmud to explain it. And then there are some things that are just stories, and they get repeated and repeated. And the commentaries explain, if it's something that's precious, special to God, he has it repeated— over and over and over again the tabernacle was very special to god because that was the place where his presence without getting too involved what that actually means but where god's presence would rest it would come down and rest in the tabernacle and the jewish nation camped around the tabernacle so god loved that ability to become closer to our us to become closer with him, with God. So because that was its purpose, it was very, very special. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I wanted to mention, I forgot, now it uh, clicked into my head. Um, if you think about it, the tabernacle is a very small building. It is upwards of uh, 60 feet long. It's 20 feet wide. It's 20 feet high. It's pretty small. It's not a very big place. But again, it's a great lesson in love. When people show love for each other, there's always room. There's a famous, uh, there was a rabbi in the Talmud in his days, the, they were very, very poor. But it says that six people could share one prayer show, like one blanket. So how do six people share one blanket? So it's easy. If I'm trying to cover myself, there's no room. There's room for me, nobody else. But if I'm sharing, if I'm leaving a space for you, there's always room. So, again, the tabernacle, which shows God's love for the Jewish people, it also shows love by its size. How could God's presence fit in such a small little building? And the answer is because there's love. If you make room, there's always room when you make love for somebody else. Uh, A mother's heart, a father's heart also for that. You love someone— the heart just grows. There's always, always room in someone's heart for love, because love always allows for other people to come in. When there's no love, when there's uh, animosity or fighting or bickering, then there's no room for anybody. doesn't matter how big your house is. Um, my daughter-in-law's father always makes fun. My house is not very big. Maybe it's 1,500 square feet upstairs, and then a basement, another 1,500 square feet. It's pretty small. And if I tell you the amount of people that pack in over the holidays, Passover holidays coming, um, there will probably be days over the holiday, not every day, where, I don't know, there could be upwards of 20, 23 people, yeah, a lot of children, in my house. They got to have rooms to sleep. They got to have a place around the table to sit or not. And it's simple. So, my uh, my daughter-in-law's father always uh, wonders how we actually fit. He likes to have a lot of room. And she says, well, everybody fits, because everybody's happy, and everybody loves each other, and everybody cares about each other. So I'll make room on my chair. We'll squeeze this chair into the corner over here. This one will stand and take care of their children over there. There's always room when there's love. But if there's bickering, if people don't get along, then there's no room for anybody. Then your house could be 5,000 square feet, 10,000 square feet. I don't know. Go to California for those uh, uh, what was that house just went up for sale again? Uh, what's his name? Michael Jackson. His house just went up for sale. I'm sure that has tens of thousands of square feet. But if there's bickering, it's not big enough. So that's just a, a, an idea, a concept to give you of— of what we can learn from the fact that the tabernacle is repeated in so many of those Torah portions. It's all about love. And that, again, is going to be a, the topic of the day when Barry Shore comes on after our next break. Okay. So, and continuing in that thought process, um, I think we talked about it last week. We talked about that copper laver—I think that's how you pronounce it— the wash basin that was made out of the mirrors. The women donated their copper mirrors— um to the temple to the building of the tabernacle and Moses didn't know if he wanted to accept them he says mirrors it's used to make ladies pretty that's physical the tabernacle is all about spirituality maybe physical doesn't connect with spirituality and god said again that same word over and over again god said to Moses i love those mirrors i want them and the priests will have to use the, the wash basin created out of them before they do any work in the tabernacle or in the temple. That will be the use of those mirrors. God says he loves those mirrors. Why did he love those mirrors? So, um, we got to go back a little bit. We've talked about it. When the Pharaoh enslaved the Jewish people in Egypt, part of the plan was— that the Jewish people would slowly but surely um, disappear. He would have everybody working so hard, they, they wouldn't be interested in being around their wives anymore. Forget being married, forget kids, I'm a slave, I'm working 23 hours a day, if not more. What do I need it for? That was the plan. The Jewish women said, that's not happening. And they took their mirrors, and they made themselves pretty, and they showed their husbands, look how pretty I am, look like, see what you look like, and they enticed their husbands to live with them, and therefore make sure that the Jewish people continued, and the Pharaoh's plan failed. So God says, I love what the women did with those mirrors, and it becomes really a new lesson, and that is... I guess almost, we would hate to say Moses makes a mistake, but almost Moses' mistake. People think that there's physical, and there's spiritual, and they are opposites, and they have nothing to do with each other. And you couldn't get further from the truth. God wants us to use our physical to be spiritual. Yeah, you can use physical to only be physical, of course. I could eat because I like hamburgers. I don't really like hamburgers anymore because um, of my diets. And— I've lost more weight. I am shrinking or getting thinner. Now the chair's like, there's a lot of room here. But in any case, that's for a different day. Um, I can use physical to be physical, yeah, or I could say, no, this food is going to help me, give me strength. I'll do good deeds. I'll help people. I'll study. We could figure out all the good things I can do. In other words, in this world, my goal is to take the spiritual and use it for good stuff. Like the Jewish women used their mirrors to stay married to their husbands so that the Jewish people would continue. So in every act—you can use your imagination for whatever you want—in every act that exists, as long as you are not being evil, um, you could take physical and turn it into spiritual, and that's the lesson that we get when the women took these mirrors and used it for something good. So God said, I love those mirrors. That's the whole point of everything. Take the physical, make it spiritual— And continue the Jewish people. Uh, Therefore, I love those mirrors. I don't look at them as just physicals for beauty and to be pretty and stuff like that. It served a fantastic purpose. Therefore, it will have a central spot in the tabernacle that's constantly being used. As every time the priest is going to do something, sacrifice, uh, burn something, uh, whatever he's doing, he's going to be constantly washing his hands to make sure that everything is clean. So, again— all in our area of love that we've been discussing. So now, we have a few more minutes left. Let's get to one more point that I said we'd talk about. And that is an amazing mistake that the Hebrew word is Nisim, or the princes. Every tribe had its leader. You have Moses as the leader, or the conduit between the Jewish people and God. And then every tribe has its leader, called a prince, The Torah word is a nussi. Whatever word you like, it doesn't matter. These were wealthy people. So when Moses makes his announcement that uh, everybody bring in gold, silver, wool, linen, wood, all the different materials necessary for the tabernacle, um, these people said, look, we're very wealthy. The Jewish people are going to donate. They're probably not going to give enough stuff. So, Moses is going to come to us afterwards and say, Yeah, I'm running a deficit. You got to help me out. And we will finish the deficit. We will be the heroes. What happens? After two days of the Jewish people bringing donations, most of, by the way, after one day, uh, the workers come back to Moses and they say, We're done. We got so much stuff. We made our calculations. We don't need anything else. So, by the second day, Moses sends out a message please stop donating again we t- always talk about it a fundraiser's dream but it never happens no fundraiser says okay guys we had a million dollar goal we got ten million we're done Huh? you get a million dollars we make the goal 1.2 million 1.5 million we're always collecting we always have needs so um, but no for this Moses said we're done now the princes are up the creek they want to be involved in donating for the tabernacle And Moses just said, keep your money. And you got to really think about it. Here, the idea wasn't just putting money into the bank so we could buy the supplies. No. You gave gold. That gold might be in the menorah. That gold might be in the ark. That gold might be on the table with the showbread. You donated capper. Your capper might be one of the uh, posts that held up the curtains. It might be on the outside altar. You donated wood. It might be on the outside altar. It might be one of the beams. You donated wool. It might be in this curtain. When you donated stuff, your stuff became part and parcel of the actual tabernacle. And now the princes do not have that. They lost. So God did them a favor, and God sent them the jewels. The priest has 12 stones, one stone per per tribe, and they were also on his shoulder blades, on the shoulder straps, there were also two more stones. So every prince got to bring in the stone for his tribe, and then there's two others that they needed. I don't know who was lucky enough to bring in what. No idea. But uh, they 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 lost. They lost their opportunity, and that's a good thing to always think about. We always have opportunities, and if you wait and you delay and say— that, oh, they're going to come to me when they need more, sometimes that opportunity will pass you by, and you lose. When it comes, it comes. When it goes, it's all over. So, um, so the Nisim lost. So the Torah has a fascinating punishment that the, uh, that the princes receive. What's the punishment? So in the Torah, every letter is important. So the word Nisim— which means princes, is generally spelled with, the, with two one or two yuds. We've had that letter before. That's that smallest little letter. Um, and in this Torah portion, there's one spot where it's missing the yud, or both yuds for that matter. So my class says, okay, so you spelled their name, missing one letter. What is the big deal that you're missing one letter? Like, okay, so that, that's a punishment. You didn't hurt me. He said, this is the worst punishment. That means every year when someone studies a Torah portion and he looks at it and says, oh, hey, we're missing a letter over here. Oh, yeah, their name is missing a letter because they missed their opportunity and didn't donate right away. So you have to use your imagination. I, I, I tell the class, imagine a boy in class comes to my desk and he spills my coffee mug. And... Uh, Okay, he makes a mess, and his parents come in, and I say, oh, yeah, you know, your son spilled a coffee mug. And then in sixth grade, they say, oh, remember, you spilled my coffee mug. And then in eighth grade, when he graduates, they say, oh, you spilled my coffee mug. And then his by mitzvah, I say, you spilled my coffee mug. And then at his wedding, I say, oh, remember, you spilled my coffee mug. Hello. I bug off. Stop talking about the coffee mug I spilled a bunch of years ago. Like, it, it, it will bother the person to even say hello to me, because I keep harassing him about a mistake he made one time. He said, forget about it already. Here, the mistake that the prince has made is never forgotten. It's permanent. It's always there. We're always going to remember. And that's something nobody wants. Nobody wants stuff to be remembered forever if it's bad. If it's good, of course, you want to remember. And here comes my music. Hold through the break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Barry Shore, uh, uh, Ambassador of Joy. You do not want to miss him. Hold through the break. I'm Rabbi Tzu. You're listening to Let's Talk Torah. And we'll be right back. Detroit. It's the home of some of the world's most talented artists. It's where techno and Motown were born. It's a city where you can experience raw, untamed rock and roll. I'm Ben Rose, and I'm inviting you to join me weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 for the Motor City Juke Join. I'll have interviews with musicians, info on what's going on around town, and a playlist curated by me just for you. It's all right here on NewRadioMedia.com.
2: Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm David. Join us for fun and adventure on our new show, PodQuesters, where we fight through imaginary battles and pray to the dice gods for good rolls. Yes, it's an epic sleeping adventure. We try to fulfill our destinies without driving the Dungeon Master crazy. I thought that was the point. Anyways, check us out here on newradiomedia.com, Fridays, PodQuesters. See you there. Surfing the internet can be good for your brain, especially if you're getting up there in years. UCLA scientists say that the internet searching helps to stimulate your brain function by triggering centers in your brain that control decision making and complex reasoning. In a study to be published in the American Journal of Geriatric Psychiatry, the researchers say that using the internet to seek out new information might stimulate the brain enough to sustain brain health and your cognitive ability. Before the computer age, the one activity that was linked to an active mind was solving crossword puzzles. The fact that even simple tasks like searching the internet might enhance your brain circuitry suggests that our brains are really sensitive to mental exercise and actually continue to learn as we grow older. So using an internet search engine such as Google produces the same brain activities as reading, but it also increases activity in areas of your brain that control decision-making and complex reasoning with another prescription for your health. I'm Dr. Jim Bragman.
0: I didn't know it was to change my state of mind. Smile and watch the whole world smile with you. Smile And we're back. And you gotta love the song Smile. And as soon as I see on my screen. That Barry is with us, because they are contacting him now. He just called me. So he is ready and getting ready. We'll talk Purim a little bit till they tell me he is on. I'm going to see him on, right? Okay, cool. So as soon as we get Barry on, we're going to talk about smile, joy, all kinds of good stuff. And that's the holiday coming up. The Purim holiday is the most fun. I mean, all holidays are great. I love all holidays. But Purim is just one Long day full of joy. It really lasts a month long. My wife was joking the kids get costumes. I was running around with my son to get him all the pieces of his costume, and he wanted to be an army man, so we—oh! I see. Very sure. So, the Can you ma- hear me? I can barely hear you, See, I hear you loud and clear. Kelsey, are we good? Can you hear us? Uh, I can
1: hear you. But very, very faint. Let's see. What it seems to be the issue
0: here? I have no idea. That's why I have all my professionals. Is it better yet? They made me a little louder. How do you hear me now? One
1: second. Let me see if there's something I can do.
0: You can see me, right? I see you perfect. I hear you loud and clear. And he's waving. Everybody sees. I'm ready, but I can barely hear you. So if I ask you to
1: speak up, it's not because I'm deaf.
0: <laughs> no problem i speak very loud so the man who calls himself the ambassador of joy a man on a mission to bring joy to the world and help every good cause and he is very good looking did you hear that i said you're good looking barry did you thank lo- you
1: Svi. may i say hello to this wonderful beautiful audience
0: yes that's what i've been waiting for
1: okay ready Good afternoon, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings, and good-looking people. And remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. Thank you, Sveen. Nice to be with you.
0: It is fantastic. I actually forewarned everybody. I actually could say your speech already, your intro, by myself. So I did it a couple times because I love it. And I know love actually is my word of the day. Not my word of the day, but we've been talking about love. The Torah portion, we talked about love because the tabernacle signifies love. So uh, let's start with love. Why do you tell everybody that you love them?
1: First of all, what a great question. And the simple, straightforward answer is because love, in our language, ahavah, is based on the concept of giving. And from where I come, I have a word that animates my very being. That word is a three-letter word whose middle letter is O. Yes, you're all thinking about the good big he, but I'm talking about joy, J-O-Y. And the joy of living can be summed up in one word, giving. And when you look at the world as a giver and act as a giver, you become a conduit of good. And Allah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, a giver, by definition, is an Ahava, a lover. And you want to be giving all the time because that's how we build bridges and create harmony, joy, happiness, peace, and love. That's why I love Jews, And all beings, because they were created by the Abishter.
0: Well said, of course. I just had to get the love part in, and we're going to talk about giving. Um, One thing I've talked about in the past—I know you're having a hard time hearing me, I think. But one thing that that I've talked about in the past is that when I give—so it's not that you love me because I gave you a present— but I love you because I gave to you. Giving creates love.
1: Absolutely correct. So everybody should know, look, we have and Einhara, hundreds of thousands of people listening to you and to me at the moment. And the genius of something called the radio and the internet and using it for good to be a conduit of goodness a cog people think of a cog Tzvi, as a small little nothing in a machine but we know that that piece that cog is what makes the machine go we each one of us is a cog a channel of goodness and a child of god and you're saying absolutely correct when you v give or out to somebody a keep smiling card you are connecting with them you're giving to them and that creates a bond and there's no greater bond between human beings than the ability to build a love bridge based on a smile based on the heart based on friendship and therefore all that happens in life is. Greater unity. we have unity, there's nothing in the world that cannot be accomplished, right?
0: Well said. And I, I, I was going to talk about your cards. I think they can see it. I gave one out today. I had a, a meeting. A guy met online. We had, we had the coffee, or I had coffee. I gave him the card. I love these cards. I, there was a networking meeting I was at, and everybody says hello, and I hand them the card. And it's amazing. They look. Everybody smiles. That's first. <laughs> then they turn over the card, and they say to me, but what's your name? Who are you? Your name's not on the card. I said, this card is not my name. This is my card to say hello. You want to know who I am? I pull out another card for you. Right? It's But I'm getting so much feedback. I have a guy who says to me, we found a coat, and we knew it was from the meeting because the person left their card in the coat. So anybody who's missing their card, we have your coat.
1: Right? That is so—look at what you're doing. You're creating more goodness in the world. Every time you give a keep-smiling card, you don't know what it's doing. You think you're giving a smile and communicating. Right, but it has to do with a tie. Or it has to do with somebody carries pencils in their car or somebody carries water bottles. It's the the channeling of goodness because that's the essence of the Jew. The Jew is the giver in the world, right? We give birth to goodness. Let me just share with you, if I may, Zvi. Please. Uh, Thank God I've been giving out Keep Smiling cards for almost two decades now. And Blei we have given out more than 1.2 million cards, and they're in 27 different languages. May I say the, um, the name of my site? We please, please, it yes. If you want to order and things like that, they can do it?
0: Definitely.
1: Okay, so everybody, here it is. My English name is Barry, Barry, B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E, like the seashore barryshore.com. You'll find a lot of interesting things on the site, but you'll scroll down. You'll talk. see the Keep Smiling cards. You can click on it. It will take you to the site, and you can order. The cards are free, 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 free. We must charge for uh, postage because the post office charges us. But the cards are free. You can order up to 700 at a time. Sometimes we th- send out 1,000 at a time. But let me share with you, if I may. Again, the web address is barryshore.com. Let me share with you to see what I've been doing over the years, and it works very well. And I just want to share it with you and the audience. Please. So let's say you and I just met, and I say, Oh, Shalom Aleichem, beautiful Jew. You say, Aleichem, Shalom. And. I ask you, Svee, are you having a good day or a great day? What would you say to me right now?
0: Well, my personality is I always say I'm having a great day. I
1: know, but let's say you're a regular person. <laughs> a regular person, I'd
0: probably say, yeah, things are okay.
1: Say, I'm having a good day, right? So we say, great, we're upgrading you from now forward. It's a great day. And by the way, in your case, since you said it's a great day anyway, great. Here's a great great day card. So everybody gets the great day card. That's the keep smiling card. You with me? Oh, yeah. And now I ask you, Zvi, I know the answer, but do you have somebody you love? And you'll say, of course. I say, great. Give that card to somebody you love. And I say, now that you've given, even though it's just mentally, now that you've given, you can receive. So everybody gets two cards, not one to keep and one to give. One to give and one to keep because the act of giving is what enables you to receive and have.
0: So I haven't been giving out enough cards. I've been giving out one per person. I should be giving out two per person.
1: You don't have to. This is what I do. I'm just sharing with you what happened because the inclination of the person you gave that to is – wow, I wanna share this. Now they might show it and share it, but if you gave them that second card, and really the first card is the one they should give, because you want everybody to become a giver, right? Sure. So now they say, wow, this is great, I can give it, I want to do it anyway, now I give and receive. And you and we're training people to be givers, because we know we know the famous idea. It's better to give a dime a day, every single day, than it is to write a check at the end of the year for $36. Because it's the building of that muscle, that giving muscle every day. Wow, I'm a giver. I'm generous. This is what we do in life, right?
0: Yeah, so on that, Barry, let me ask you. We're going to go back in history a little bit. Were you always this great giver? Were you always the smiling cards? Or was there something that happened in life that you said, I got to become a giver?
1: Okay, very long story because I'm 70 years on this planet. uh, But I'll try to make it pointed and short. So what Zvi is alluding to everybody is the fact that on September 17th, 2004, or more correctly, the second day of Rosh Hashanah that year... 2004, 14 and a half years ago, which happened to be that year, what we call Thursday, Friday, leading into Shabbos, much like this past year. Uh, I was standing up in the morning on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, just like I hope every person listening to this show, or 99.99%, hale and hearty, able to leave tall buildings in a single bounce faster than a speeding bullet. That evening, I was in the hospital, paralyzed from my neck down. I became what's known as a quadriplegic within a matter of hours, and it was not obviously from an automobile accident. It was from a rare disease. Here it is, second day of Rosh Hashanah, being taken on now Erev Shabbos in a taxi to a hospital because I can't move. All I could do, as my doctor was fond of telling his friends, when I met Barry Shore, all he could do was move his mouth. Yes. It was a change of life, right? It was an event. But here's where it gets really interesting, Svi, and my journey through that. And they can find out a lot of this on BarryShore.com. You can see things about what I've done over the years and my recuperative journey, both on a physical, spiritual, mental level. But the genius of the world, and a Baruch Hu is, we had been giving out Keep Smiling cards five years prior to me becoming what other people call an invalid, I call a new change in life. So it's the famous idea of the refuah before the makkah. I was, thank God, a vibrant, loving, giving human being. However, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Ephraim, which is my name, Haben Efrayim, He says, Ephraim, I love you. I need your attention. I need to slow you down and do something else. So he put me in a matzah. He put me in a situation where I literally couldn't move anything other than my mind and my heart. And it was time to retool And with a greater purpose. And I'm telling you now, wonderful Tzvi, and everybody listening, in the process of my journey, I went mad. But mad means make a difference. I recognize that whatever I was doing before, very nice. But now it's time to make a difference in the world by my thoughts, my words, and my deeds. And thank God, as we said, now we've given out more than 1.2 million Keep Smiling cards in 27 different languages around the world. And Svi, did you like the other cards we sent you in addition to Keep Smiling?
0: I do like them. I haven't started using them yet. I was just going to didn't want to interrupt. But uh, clearly now, thank God, Baruch you are not a paraplegic. Um, you're— not completely mobile, but certainly you're able to get around and wave your hands when you speak, which is, I guess, a Jewish thing. So, um, so you, so you got the message, huh? Yes. You so, get.
1: Uh, let me just, if I may, just please to, uh, show people. Something. by the way, are are people able to see me or just you? No, everybody. Everybody can see me. In the glory, <laughs> everybody can see. So berries sure. you, see a potted plant.
0: We that's see a just plant. A
1: plant. But above that, you see a great picture of people dancing. Yes, it happens to be dancing in a snowstorm at the hotel. And that's you. And then right behind me is a picture of my wonderful son and daughter. I call her my daughter. She's daughter-in-law. Is in the. Uh, legal sense, Yes. Uh, at their wedding, and they're holding up a Keep Smiling card. So in addition oh, that to the is Keep Funny. Smiling cards that I sent to wonderful Zvi, we have a couple others that are really, should be remarked upon. So they are remarkable. Ready? Ready. One of them is, I'm going to try and hold this up and see if it, if it works.
0: I'll let you know. Um,
1: can everybody read that, or is it backwards when I nope. hold it up?
0: Everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about
1: and then it reads
0: be kind
1: always so this card has enhanced lives this card makes a difference this is my mad card
0: why does when it make people, a difference
1: love to keep smiling cards not even a question when but- people see this and get this immediately people ask me may i have some more Really? You hear this, V? I'm listening. May I have some more? I know people I want to give this to, share this with. Wow.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Wow.
1: Everyone.
0: So how did you think of that, that? You
1: know nothing about. But why did you think the of the that card? Of the great rabbits in, or the person sweeping the floors. Everybody has an issue. And it's incumbent upon us as loving, believing, practicing devout Jews to be kind. Always. Always. And you know what kind stands for? Of course not. I'm I'm writing down down all
0: your words. What does kind stand for?
1: Kind stands for keep inspiring noble deeds.
0: I just want to know, did you think of the mnemonic before or after you made the card? After. Okay, just wanted to make sure. I am
1: deeply involved in – we're writing a book that God willing will be published by the end of May. It's called Reframing the Art of Living. And part of it, the book has been in me for a while when as a quad (laughs) – yeah, I can talk about this. I was a quad. Now, just to put everything in perspective, you see my hands are moving. Yes. Now, you do see my hands are a little bit odd because I was a quad. My body is has not – come back together but a lot of it has right i can't close my fingers and things like that but hey i can play the piano as well now as i could before (laughs) how do you like that Yeah,
0: i'm not going to ask you how well you played the piano before i didn't play
1: before yeah i can't play now okay cool now the other thing is watch me i'm sitting in a chair i'm going to stand up you ready i'm watching here we go one
0: Two, two three
1: three that was so fast. I went up and down so quickly you couldn't even see it. Right.
0: I did, I did not see it, but I, I'm sure if I slow down the I video, can't I'll see it.
1: Stand up by myself. Okay. What I can do is I can push on this, and I can, rawr, stand up and then hold on to things and move around. So the good news is I'm not a quad anymore. By definition, they call me a paraplegic because from the waist down, I still can't move a lot of stuff. But who cares? Look at me. Hello. Nice smile, great eyes, beautiful tan, because I swim outdoors. I live in Southern California. But I want to share with you another two cards. Wait, Barry, one second. I'm going to let you do those other
0: two cards. You're going to get those cards, but I must ask you, and we're going to do all those cards. I hope you can hear me. And that is, where is your reservoir of strength coming from that you fought through everything it took, that you are no longer a quad, and you're happy? Okay, everybody, this is a question,
1: thank God, that I get regularly. And I'm happy to tell you a story. And I hope I can do it without crying. And if I can't, so be it.
0: We have no problem with tears.
1: Okay. I have been blessed many times over with a wondrous life. I have a wonderful wife. Her name is Naomi. She is the real hero of the story. She is part of this, great part of this, this vast sea of joy that lives within me. But it was there before I met my wife. We're married now 40 years. Four zero. Hello. Wow.
0: Amazing. Amazing, amazing. I
1: have wondrous parents. Both of them are no longer in this world. Not only do I have wondrous parents, I have two fabulous sisters. One is a year and a half younger. The other is five years younger. So our parents are wonderful, remarkable people. I grew up in an area just outside of Boston, Massachusetts called Brookline, Massachusetts. The name is not important, but it's a very pleasant area, much like Oak Park.
0: Oh, it's a beautiful area.
1: Captain, can you close the door, please? The door back there. The door for the bathroom? Thank you. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) And if when I was growing up, my mother, my father, both wonderful people. My mother, probably the happiest woman, happiest person I've ever met in my life. She was Beaming. beaming. She was a large woman. She was a great cook. She had a husband who loved her, three kids. My mother, when she was born, had a red wine stain over three quarters of her face. Wow. Wow. And a bit pockmarked. Now try and harken back, but I'm 70. So 90 years ago, how tough was it for a kid with that Terrible in those days. Terrible. I mean, even today, people are sensitive, but they're not, right? Right. <laughs> Hello. And yet, she was able not to overcome that, but to live with it and say, "Okay, that's who I am." Of course, people made some made fun of her and such like that. But she had friends, and she grew up filled with joy, happiness, peace, and love. Found a husband who loved her. My my father was a very good-looking man, a good man, and they had three children. And she's lost her friends. That joy is genetically in me. That ability to live with what other calls problems didn't exist. So when I have my mother growing up, my mother wore lots of makeup at the time because it was a big red wine. I saw her very infrequently. One day I remember, though, I was 11 years old, maybe almost 12. Uh, had friends over the house all the time. Our house was open, filled with people and things and kids and such like that. My mother had not put on her makeup yet. And she came out and one of the kids saw her and went,
0: ah! Oh, no.
1: And your mother. I said, yeah, it's my mother. Go look at that. There. Wow. I never saw that on my mother. Wow. I hope my words are coming across
0: very, very I didn't clear. I just see
1: my mother with a person with a red wine stain.
0: Right, you saw I it. saw
1: my mother as this amazingly beautiful, buoyant, beautiful, bountiful being that radiated. Am I clear?
0: Clear and amazingly lucky. As my time, that, I only have a few minutes that left. That is
1: where the reservoir is. That's I, why amazing. I am filled with joy, happiness, peace, and love.
0: You are a lucky person, and you're going to teach us all. I only have a few minutes, and I told you I'd let you do the cards. So let's do that next card, and hopefully we'll have time for both. You owe me two more cards. Two more cards. Sorry, say again? You owe me two more cards that you're going to show us.
1: Yes, you ready? Okay. Ready. This one. This one makes... Lives different. This one is so powerful, so purposeful, so beautiful.
0: I'm ready. Did I tell you today how much I appreciate you? Uh, no, you did not. Not yet.
1: Svi? Yes? I appreciate the opportunity to interact with you. People don't know that we're not friends for the past three decades. Nope. Because that's how I feel. And I know. The ability to be honored by you, to be with you on this show and to communicate with other people, I take as a a great trust. So I'm showing you this card which has a beautiful scene of Hawaii. It's great for Detroit in the winter, right? Yes, certainly right now. Can I tell you how much I appreciate you? The ability to appreciate someone is so close to the Essence of being, and on the back, it's blank except for you filling in to and And from. from. Cool, very cool. Thousands of these cards have been given to people, especially husbands, by the way. And I urge the husband, make sure you write to and from and put this card where your wife lights candles.
0: Cool idea.
1: Tell me, over the decades. That this has helped and changed marriages for the better.
0: Because Amazing.
1: The person cherishes the card. Amazing. And I've given it to women who give it to their husbands. Fent- um, I've I, I, given I, it to many pe- teachers, to students, students to teachers, pe- what they call employers to employees. The ability to appreciate someone. It's, it's unbelievable. Touches the very essence of the being. And then we will finish with this card here. Yes, we this will. This one is?
0: Ready? Happy by choice.
1: Right. Zvi, you said something really important. You said lucky. You're right. I am lucky to have had parents and sisters and relatives who were, for the most part, very positive. What it does though, it enables me to make a choice. I choose to be happy. I was a quadriplegic. I had a nurse, male nurse, come over to me who'd been with me for three or four days, lean down and say, Mr. Shore, can I ask you a personal question? Now at the time I could barely speak. My voice, my voice was like this, I could barely talk. I said, yes. He said, "Look, I see people like you regularly. I've never met one who's not angry and bitter. How come you're not angry and bitter?" And I'm not. I wasn't, and I'm not. Barry I realized he was asking me the great existential question. You ready?
0: I have. Why the
1: me? Right. Why God oh, did you do this to me?
0: And you, Barry, have shown us through the last half an hour, 25 minutes, that you don't have not a bone in your body to say, why me? I would love to keep you for hours, but my time is up Barry, I cannot thank you enough. I cannot tell you I appreciate you enough. I cannot tell you I love you enough. We will be in touch. I'm giving out the cards. Barry, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be big, in touch. Can I give you a
1: big hug before we go. Yes, everybody. I'm ready. I'm ready. Big, big, hug. Hug. big hug. Big hug. One, two,
0: three. Okay. Yeah. Barry, I love you. My music is going. I gotta go to the break. We'll be in touch. I'll see you on Let's Talk Turin. We'll be right back. Hey, okay, thank you, bye,
1: no, no, stores.
0: We've got garage doors, entry doors, storing doors, custom doors.
1: Plus, the latest LiftMaster garage door openers and the toughest retractable screens on the market. All by the push of a button. Tarno Doors is celebrating its 50th year anniversary and is the recipient of the 2016 Subcontractor of the Year from the Home Builders Association.
0: Tarno no Doors, Tarno
2: no Doors. At Murray's Park City, we're known for offering customer service you won't get in any chain store or online Now we already know that stress can increase your odds of everything from colds to cancer and now there's new research to suggest that stress can also make you itch. You see it seems clear that stress activity is the immune system of mice making them itch and the experts say the same is probably true for humans. The study from the University of Medicine in Berlin and McMaster University in Canada found that stress can exacerbate skin disease by increasing the number of immune cells in the skin these immune cells are believed responsible for initiating and perpetuating skin diseases that can make you itch the report in the American Journal of Pathology indicates that doctors were able to prevent stress induced increases in white blood cells in the skin by blocking the function of the proteins that attract these immune cells to the skin in the first place now more work is certain to come in this area of research with another prescription for your health I'm Dr. Jim Bragman
0: Like being pulled in your direction Trying to be thankful for my blessings, yeah It's like I never And we're him. back! And we are trying to get in touch with Rabbi and Goldson um, He said something, and hear what he said You can ask Zach what he... Maybe he's not going through While we're waiting to see if we can get in touch with Rabbi Jonas and Goldson I mean, what can you say about Barry Shore? I mean, especially what we discussed at the end. Here's a man who had a lot of good reasons to be angry and still be angry. He is not an angry person. He doesn't even look at it like it was a problem. It was just something that got in his way, and we didn't even have time to discuss all the amazing things he's creating to help organizations and causes with fundraising he has uh, books out already. Now he talks about a new book out. But the fact that he doesn't have an angry, bitter bone in his body, he told me. I asked him a question uh, when we the first time we spoke, and when you talk to Barry Shore, he says, "I love you. I love you. You're the best." And I said, uh, "Barry, how can you say you love me? You don't even know me. Like, what do you mean you love me?" He says, "You're right." He says, "There's a muscle." like he was talking about the other muscles about appreciating and other stuff like the giving muscle uh, there's a muscle of love and he's trained his muscle and he has the ability to not only say it but to actually believe it are we having no success? no success? Um,
2: we got we can he's gonna apologize I guess um, he and it, something came up with him today so um. oh, okay
0: then we just keep on keeping on so Kelsey are you ready? Kelsey is ready so behind me There should be a poster of our Letter of the Week. Our Letter of the Week is a Samoch. A Samoch really looks like a circle. It's just a circle shape, and it makes an S sound. Uh, Now, I'm going to really cheat. There's a very interesting rule in Hebrew, and there are certain letters that make the exact same sound. For example, the Samoch is an S sound, and the Sin is also an S sound, and we find throughout Torah, prophets, that those letters become interchangeable. So, you're actually allowed to use the letter in different places. I guess if you were a child and you were trying to spell something for a spelling test, we couldn't—we can't always mark you wrong for interchanging the letters, but we probably do anyways. So, therefore, the perfect word for this week is simcha. Simcha. I know people are thinking simcha, which means joy and happiness, is spelled with a sin, not a samach. I know it's true. But since they're similar-sounding letters, and there's place we find that they're allowed to be interchangeable, so therefore I am cheating this week, and they are interchangeable. My word of the week is simcha, because we had Barry Shore on, and he is a man full of simcha, full of joy. How could I not allow myself to use such a great word even if I'm cheating a little bit. So um, I wanted to leave us with a a story this week. Very, um, You'll take the story for what it is. I'll tell you my lesson. I'm sure people will email me with their lesson. Here's the story. So there's two guys walking their dog. One guy's got a a big uh, German Shepherd. The other guy's got a smaller dog. And they're walking their dogs down the street, and they're passing by an Irish pub. Tony is laughing. He must know this joke already. Oh, I've heard this one. You've heard this one? <laughs> I want to tell you this is the first time I saw this. I just saw this. Okay, Tony's already laughing. Um, anyways, they're passing by an Irish pub, and they say, let's get a drink. So the other one says to his friend, but there's a big sign, no animals allowed. He says, don't worry. You follow me. So the guy takes out his dark sunglasses, puts them over his eyes, walks in with a dog, and the uh, the bouncer says, hey, one second, sir. Uh, There's a sign here that says, no pets allowed. And the man walking his German shepherd says, oh, I'm so sorry. This is my guide dog. Oh, guide dog. No problem. Please go right in. Okay. So the other guy sees it works, gets on his dark glasses, starts walking in. And again, the bouncer says, excuse me, sir. Um, There's a sign here. No pets allowed. So he says, this is my guide dog. So, the, the bounce says, ''Guide dog, it's a chihuahua. Who ever heard of a chihuahua being a guide dog? Who are you fooling?'' So, this man walking the chihuahua says, ''Oh, is that what they gave me?'' Okay, Tony liked it a little bit, but really, what I what I want to take out of the story is the lesson. And that's—and everything we've been discussing today about love and joy. And I wrote it down, so I'm going to read it, because if I try to say it by heart, I'm going to miss the point. So listen carefully. It says, Lasting happiness comes from rejoicing over being yourself and being satisfied with a distinctive portion that's yours. In other words, we're all going to get different stuff. We're all going to have different things. People are going to give us different things. Um, Some of us will be wealthier. Some will be poorer. Some will be happier intrinsically. Some will have a hard time being happy. Some uh, will have a bigger house, a bigger car, a smaller house, more children, less children, more friends, less friends, this talent, that talent. We're all filled with all kinds of things. And the real question is, do you have the ability to take the talents that you have and be happy with him. Barry Sure told you, he said, look, he's got it genetically to be happy. He's the luckiest person alive to have it genetically. Most of us have to work pretty hard or harder to be that happy, to be that joyful, to accept all the things we have. So just like in my story, the guy with the chihuahua said, this is what they gave me. Therefore, I'm happy because that's who I am and what I am. And that's what each and every one of us has to do. We have to take the talents we have, the family we have, the spouses we have, the children we have, and that is what's going to make us happy. And now comes my music. So thank you to all our wonderful sponsor listeners. You know I couldn't do it without you. Thank you to my wonderful team today. We got Tony, Kelsey, Zach, Alana, maybe Ethan. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next week, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah, New Radio Media. And until next week, don't forget to think about it.